0: Check the mic and make sure
1: it sounds right, boys. Hello and welcome back to another edition of The Throwdown. I am your host, Zach, joined by, as usual, Alex and Connor. Say hi, guys. Howdy, howdy. What up, what up? All right, we got another exciting episode for you. But before we get into the overview... You got to follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and also be sure to check out the website, sportsinsanitynetwork.com. All of that is in the description of the episode. So without further ado, let's get into your overview. We got your biggest NBA news, your week 14 matchups recap, and then we're going to have a discussion on if the big three era in the NBA is officially dead, we also we're gonna drag the refs a little bit because guys, there's been some really weird calls, but we're gonna get to that later. We also got your week. We also got your week fifteen matchups, but let's get into the biggest NBA news going on. Uh this one is sad, unfortunately. Lucia Harris, the only woman drafted in NBA history, has died earlier this week at the age of sixty six. Now, a little background as to why she matters. Uh, In 1977, she was drafted by the New Orleans Jazz in the seventh round. Yes, when they had the seventh round. Uh, She wasn't able to try out for the team because she was pregnant at the time. But Harris was a baller. Let me repeat that. She was a baller. She helped lead Delta State University in Mississippi to three straight national championships. And she helped Team USA get silver in the 1976 Montreal Olympics. She also scored some of the first points in women's basketball history at the Olympics when they started including that event. Harris averaged 25.9 points, 14.4 rebounds at Delta State University. She was the first black woman inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame in 1992. Guys, I don't know about you, but that is that is quite the resume to have.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's really crazy when you look at that, like those stats, 25.9 in 14.4 and you know there's a difference we're used to you know like the Brittany grinders the world and uh my Moore's and all you know all that but the thing is they wouldn't be anything if it wasn't for pioneers uh like lucia you know and it really shows because you know title nine got brought in in the 70s and she was able to do this like right at the beginning of like title nine so, like, I feel like that just shows her impact. And, you know, she wasn't able to grow up with uh, or I would assume that most people around uh, her age group for women weren't able to get the opportunity to play basketball like women aren't allowed to today. Uh, so I'm happy to, you know, see that she had such a huge impact. But, you know, it really does suck that she passed away this week.
2: You know, it's a shame. And, you know, going off of Connor's point, you know, she growing up, she probably didn't have any female basketball player to really look up to. You know, she was the female basketball player to look up to for all these women. She set a precedent. And when you look at what she accomplished, she was a true baller. She really was. And, you know, for a woman at this time, too, to accomplish what she did, Basketball wise, it really set a precedent for what we've seen, what we saw as years went on in the 80s and the 90s, 2000, and today with the WNBA. It's just truly remarkable, and it's a true shame that she did die, especially young.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, there's not much more we can say about her. Her stats and her resume speak for herself, and she will be missed. There is, last year, they did do a uh, a bio flick on her. Uh, It was more of a documentary, but they did about, you know, her playing in the 70s, you know, her impact on the game. Uh, If you haven't checked it out, I definitely recommend it. It's really well done. Uh, Switching gears here into another topic, uh, the Los Angeles Lakers head coach, Frank Vogel is in, quote, serious jeopardy. This is not the fun jeopardy. Uh, You know, we're not calling out categories here. But according to The Athletic, Vogel is on the hot seat as the Lakers have struggled so far this season. Uh, Vogel is currently on a game-by-game basis, and this could spell trouble for the Lakers. Guys, do you think that, you know, Vogel should be on the hot seat? Because, you know, he's playing with the guys he's got, and in theory... This this roster should be, you know, and I'm saying in theory and put putting in air quotes, this roster should be able to get more wins and be able to be a top, higher seed in the West. But it hasn't panned out that way.
2: Yeah, when we really look at this and Zach, you know, I'm happy that you brought that up. This this roster was built so that it can be a championship contender. That was the whole point of making these moves, getting Westbrook. That was the whole point of making moves for veteran guys in the offseason. They were supposed to be in position. And granted, you can say they've dealt with a lot of injury problems and COVID-related problems as well. We all saw that. But what team isn't? (laughs) You know, what team really isn't dealing with those kinds of problems? We've seen it. A lot of teams have battled adversity this year. But for this team to be 23-23 and and the seventh seed right now, it, based on what their expectations were heading into this year, it's truly appalling. And based on what happened towards the end of last season and how they got bounced first round and the way they did, that all showed they had to make moves to put themselves in a position to win. And right now, it's not panning out for them. Frank Vogel, you know, him being reported to be evaluated on a game by game basis, he really is hanging by a thread because when we actually look at these next couple games, for them they had a couple week games but now they have a couple of the top teams in the eastern conference they're gonna have to face western conference you know they're facing the best of the best soon within the next week or two so that also could spell trouble if he can't get at least a couple wins there then for all we know he could be gone soon and the shame about it is you know not to drag this out too long but frank vogel defensively such a great coach but They went from being one of the top ranked defensive teams these past couple years to this year being ranked 18th. And I think that even speaks louder. This is a defensive type coach, and his team is not getting the job done defensively at all. I can't blame LeBron because, you know, LeBron's putting up 29 basically every night. He's actually doing everything he can. It's just, you know, certain pieces have been hurt. Westbrook hasn't panned out the way we hoped he would. But at the same time, this comes down to coaching, and it also comes down to Palenka as well. I don't think he's out of the work yet either. I think he also should be held accountable just as much. But that's my piece on it. Yeah, That's some good thoughts. Uh, Because, you know,
0: I I was thinking about it more from the aspect of, you know, not only the underperformance, but, you know, they don't have a lot of good young assets. And so (laughs) even if they do want to make moves, they might have to take some L's in trying to make the moves you know they're gonna to have to get rid of alan horn and tucker most likely in a trade if they don't want to get rid of one of their big big pieces and also too if they do trade westbrook one of the top trades right now is uh him for john wall in a first round pick but that's a huge l coming from basically getting rid of all your championship pieces with Kuzma, Caldwell Pope, you know, Harrell, all that situation there. So in the end, I I feel like uh, Vogel shouldn't really be on the hot seat necessarily. I think it's um, because what's going to happen, you know, you fire him. Who are you going to go and replace him with halfway through the season? This is supposed to be a
2: championship team. Same thing happened with David Blatt, though.
0: Yeah. No, no, I, I don't. Cond- I never condone like uh, especially with one of those teams, uh, a championship team losing their, you know, coach, you know, Vogel did get you to the championship. Yeah, you can say, oh, it's LeBron, AD, all that. But really, it does come down to, you know, let's try to get some pieces there and let's try to build some more on the like bench and like build that bench up.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, the we looked at this roster and we thought this team could be, you know, somewhere decently, at least in the middle of the pack and, like, you know, maybe like a four or three or a five seed. But they, they have not lived up to that potential. And I don't know if it's because Vogel is like, you know, there's so many people moving in and out, who's available, who's not, that's throwing them off. Or it, maybe it's just, you know, Russell just not being able to, like, click on the team like they thought they would and you're right with that trade connor where it's like oh they might be talking about another russell westbrook for john wall 2.0 trade but you know we're gonna have to wait and see how that's gonna go but for for right now it seems like vogel is gonna be on the hot seat for the lakers and a game by game basis is not where you want to be especially when you got guys like lebron james anthony davis russell westbrook on the squad
0: And also, too, one of the main points that we haven't mentioned really is uh, a couple days ago, uh, he actually benched Russell Westbrook in the fourth quarter, and that kind of just shows you that there's already kind of turmoil in that relationship. So, you know, that's got to be improved on, or, you know, one of them's got to move. You either move Vogel, get rid of him, and hire someone else, or you uh, get rid of Russell Westbrook.
2: Yeah, and, I mean, you know, you don't want to see a coach go, but then that's what Cavs did with David Blatt, and then look what happened with them. They turned into a championship team. But, you know, you don't know what could happen with certain moves, but the one thing that is tough about this game-by-game evaluation, like I said before, now I looked at it more in depth, they have five straight road games, and four of them are against the Heat, the Nets, the Sixers, and the Hornets. So those are... Those will show if he is going to keep his job or not. I think you know these are the if if he wins at least two of those games, then he'll probably keep his job. But if he loses three or four of those games, there's a strong chance you're gonna see him go after this week,
1: yeah, and that's that's definitely gonna be tough because it's like you got four really good teams in a row, basically, and it's just we're gonna have to wait and see what happens. We'll follow the story closely as it develops but let's get into your week 14 recap going back to last Saturday the 15th the 76ers went on the road in Miami 109 to 98 Joel Embiid had 32 points 12 rebounds and three assists later that night the Lakers lose in a blow to the Nuggets 133 to 96 Jokic had a triple double with 17 points 12 rebounds and and 13 assists moving into that Sunday. The Rockets close out against the Kings. 118 to 112. It's Christian Wood with this impressive stat line of 23 points, 14 rebounds, three assists and two steals. You really don't see the big men getting a lot of steals, So good for him. The Cavaliers defend their home court from the nets with a surprising upset one, 114 to one Oh seven. Darius Garland had 22 points, six rebounds, 12 assists and two steals. Later that night the Bucks dropped one on the road against uh, the Atlanta Hawks 121 to 114. Trey Young dropped 30 points, 6 rebounds and 11 assists. We move we move into Tuesday night the Timberwolves win a very close one against the Knicks 112 to 110. Anthony Edwards had 21 points, 3 rebounds, 3 assists and 2 steals. Now moving into that Wednesday the Mavericks win a close one at home beating the Raptors 102 to 98. Luka Doncic dropped 41 points, had 14 rebounds and seven assists. And this was a very impressive win for the Mavericks.
0: Yeah. I mean, when you look at the Mavericks, uh, they've definitely been on a spark plug and have definitely uh, turned their season around. And, you know, that's a huge part, you know, of course, by Luka. So it's great to see him performing at an extremely high level, and you know that that's great with anybody. Um, But this game also shows that the Raptors uh, do have a roster that, in the next couple years, they build a couple pieces they can compete.
2: Yeah, Raptors can compete. I believe that Uh, Mavericks, though, you know, we may have gave them crap at like the beginning of the year, but Mm -hmm. you know now they're twenty six and twenty and. After this game, of course, they were 26-19, but, like, we saw what Luca, what we know what Luca can do. But, you know, guys like Jalen Brunson, Dorian Finney-Smith, Tim Hardaway, they have really stepped up their game and helped to rally behind Luca and be a great supporting cast for him to get the ball rolling and to get actual points scored and win these games. And I think that speaks for itself even
1: more. Yeah, and that's definitely a big thing for the Mavericks. We gave them a lot of crap early on, but now look where they are. Heading into that later night matchup, the Spurs beat the Thunder 118-96. Murray had a triple-double with 23 points, 10 rebounds, and 14 assists. Moving into the 20th thursday the next day the mavericks just simply could not get back-to-back home game wins they lost to the suns 109 to 100 Devin booker had 28 points five rebounds six assists but that wasn't the biggest headline of the night despite steph curry dropping almost 40 points the pacers get a huge win over the warriors 121 to 117 it is chris durrett uh durrett Led the way with twenty seven points, seven rebounds, and three assists. I was very surprised by this one. We we've not we have not seen a lot of life out of this Pacers squad, but then all of a sudden, it's something about the Warriors that they know how to do.
2: Yeah, but
1: let's just point out too, this was a
2: Pacers squad that also, you know, Turner, uh, Turner and Sabonis are not playing. <laughs> you know, they did they did this without them and even LaVert, But you know, Chris Duarte had a hell of a game, but. What, the, what really surprised me more in this one was when you look at the three-point percentage for both teams, you know, in this game, Pacers shot 42% from three. The Warriors attempted 42 three-pointers and only made nine of them. They shot 21%, you know, and that's a very rare something. You know, you have both Splash Brothers back. You expect them to play stronger, but, you know, every now and then we're going to get one of these games, but... You know, for the Pacers at 17 now and 29, it's like it's kind of like an embarrassing loss for the Warriors, considering that this gives the Suns another couple game advantage on them.
0: Yeah, definitely. I agree with you there. Uh, I'm going to take it more from the perspective of the Pacers since you mentioned, you know, a decent amount with the Warriors. Yeah. Um, I mean, this shows that Duarte was a really good, sneaky pick. Uh, You know, he wasn't really highly touted compared to a lot of the guys in the class. And uh, to see him performing at this level shows that he can be a future, you know, two. um, And maybe uh, he could become a potential one on a really solid playoff team. So I'm excited to see how Duarte plays going forward.
1: It'll be fun to see what the Pacers do before the trade deadline Mm. and maybe see him appear more often as like the main headline for the Pacers. But let's move into Friday night. The Bucks win a close one at home against the Chicago Bulls. Ninety four to ninety. Giannis had 30 points, 12 rebounds, three assists. But the other headline was a potential MVP versus MVP candidate battle. The Grizzlies get a huge win over the Nuggets, 120, 122 to 118. John Morant had 38.6 rebounds and six assists. Jokic had a triple double with twenty-six eleven rebounds and 12 assists. So a lot of people were saying that John Morant is really digging his way into the MVP conversation. And, you know, this is a very good performance for his argument.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, if he's able to get them in a the top three seating, and he continues to have games like this, ah, uh, this is kind of Russell Westbrook esque. You know, obviously not like to the capacity of the triple doubles, but he's able to get rebounds, able to get a lot of assists, and you know, obviously getting a lot of points. That's the main part you need for a good MVP season for a point guard. So I I think he can do it. I'm not saying he's the front runner right now, but I just want to say with Jokic, it's just it just amazes me, you know. He had a, <laughs> another triple double, fourth and, straight. <laughs> yeah, and you know, even though Embiid the other day had a 50 point game, uh, he, you know, Jokic still is outplaying him in almost every single like aspect. It's pretty crazy. Um, two great future superstars we got in the league. I mean, obviously. They're both superstars now, but I'm excited to see them for the next
2: couple of years dominate as they did the other night. I love how Connor can take a little shot there at Embiid for no reason. <laughs> hey, I, know, I Embiid, let's Embiid. just point out Embiid. in these four games this past week, Embiid did average 38 points per game. Okay? No, no, I definitely agree. But like put up a every 50 and other other and a 40 pointer. Him, Every other no, aspect, mostly... yes. I mean, but you could also argue and beat also is starting to out it's starting out a rebound these past couple weeks, Jokic. But you know, looking at Jokic, we all know what Jokic can do. This is his fourth straight double triple double. Like this was his fourth straight triple double. He is incredible. There's a reason why he's number one in the league in PER. Granted, he's unfortunate because, you know, Michael Porter's out. Jamal Murray hasn't come back yet. He actually this team should be better. But, you know, I can't blame Jokic for that. He's playing his heart out every single night. Mur- uh, ja Morant, though, he honestly, I thought he was going to be one of the best superstars moving forward, but he has turned it around. These last 10 games, they are 8-2, and two, and he has willed them to the three seed right now. And, you know, real quick, just to look at him, this kid is starting, you know, you say Westbrook-esque with his athleticism, too. Like, this is an extremely athletic kid. But not just that, one thing that I am amazed is, These past three games, too, this whole week, his shooting is off the charts. He actually is becoming a reliable shooter, and he's actually getting the job done. So is he going to be an MVP candidate this year? I don't know. We don't know. It still remains to be seen. But is he going to be an MVP in the future? The way he's playing at this young of an age, we already are going to see him win one or two MVPs probably in his career.
0: And also, uh, just just one final point, too, you know, this team is hot right now, but... You know, I I have a feeling this team is going to be super hot coming out of the All-Star break. Uh, they just kind of have that feeling toward, uh, you know, to me. They have that yawn, uh, you know, we're ready to prove ourselves feeling. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'm excited.
1: Yeah, uh, it's going to be fun to watch this team after the All-Star break. But let's get into our weekly and overall records. I win five and seven, which is. I guess an improvement. I don't know. My overall is now 89 to 79. Connor had the best record out of all of us. He went six and six. He's tied with me for 89 to 79. But Alex went four and eight, you know, not the best. But now he's at 90 and 78. So he's the closest right now to 100 overall wins. So we're going to have to keep an eye on that. Uh, We'll let you guys know next week if we get to 100, if we're really close. Uh, there's no prize for getting to a hundred first. So we'll, we'll figure out something for Alex if he manages to get it or whoever gets it. All right. With that being said, we're going to toss it to break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the end of the big three era in the NBA. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hey everyone, Zach here. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. If you like the show, be sure to follow us on social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We share breaking news and updates that are going around the league, as well as show updates. You can find a link to our account in the description down below, or search Sins the Throwdown. Thanks so much for listening. Now here's the rest of the episode. Hello and welcome back. All right, so we teased this in the last segment, but guys, today's question, it's not a light one. This is a very serious one. It's a very serious topic about the NBA. Uh, Today's subject is, have we seen the end of the Big Three era in the NBA? Now, a little background. We've seen for the past decade or so that having a Big Three can almost guarantee you getting to the NBA finals, like almost, we, we have that almost. And we've seen this with teams and stuff throughout the NBA. Currently we have two teams with big threes. We have the Lakers and the Nets and they haven't been exactly where we expected them to be. Granted, there's been injuries. There's been COVID Uh, with the Nets, especially there's the Kyrie Irving situation where he can play away games, but not home games. And they haven't really been, up to par with what we expect when we hear a big three but then we're finding other teams who have maybe one or two big superstars and then a better supporting cast like we're seeing with the Bucks with the Heat and with the Suns you know Bucks you got Giannis you got Chris Middleton the Heat you got Jimmy Butler you got Kyle Lowry and then you know for the Suns you have Chris Paul and Devin Booker so guys today's question is are we finally seeing the end of the big three era in the NBA?
2: Yes. And, you know, it's one thing I love, though, is that we are finally seeing it come to an end because it, it creates a lot of parity throughout the league. It's like something like it did make basketball. When you had big three this whole past decade, when you have the Miami Heat and, you know, technically the Cavs with that and then the Warriors big three, if you want to call it big four sure, but <laughs> I don't count Draymond, but that's just me. <laughs> but. Um, but when you really look at it, it did, I think we all can agree, it did kind of also make basketball a bit boring. It was like, oh, well, you know who's going to be in the finals. It's obvious. Now we're actually getting these these tough competitions. The East is the best example of it. You know, that big three in the East, sure, they are the one seed. But we are seeing problems because Kyrie cannot play at home. And that's going to be a huge problem for them. And, you know, every team, we, you know, we've said, Zach, you said, and the way you said it was, that they're not at where we want them to be like this and it's true regardless of the Nets being the one seed they're only the one seed when you look at it the team that's the 11th seed is next they're only seven and a half games away we expect a one seed to be dominantly ahead and they're not and honestly what we have seen throughout the league you know Lakers they're having a failed big three uh Nets they're big three obviously they're in a good position but it could bite them in the future We all know that, with especially with Kyrie and his situation. But then, when you look at what we've seen from the Heat, the Suns, you know, these are technically big three type players, but you know, it's more well balanced teams, and it's created parity. It's made basketball actually fun again for people to watch. It's actually greater competition, and I think this is exactly what the NBA needs. You know, It, it just makes everything much better for them moving forward.
0: Yeah, I I totally agree. I I think it is the end of the big three era. I, I think we could say this era is, you know, more of the more collective uh, era, I guess you could say. Um, You have more teams with like huge uh, depth at uh, the bench position, and also too, you've seen a lot of different teams not really grab the biggest superstar names but have been able to have one superstar and kind of build around them. You know, we look at the Bulls, you know, you got DeRozan, but you also have a really stacked team with, you know, Levine and Vucevic and, you know, uh, Lonzo Ball. Like they have a really solid team and they're kind of relying on that one superstar name. Same with the Heat, you know, even without Jimmy Butler and without Bam Bayou for, you know, different parts of the season and Kyle Lowry they're able to make a lot of, you know, noise as well. Uh, Cleveland another great example. No real big stars there, but they're able to kind of rally around, you know, their guys. So I I think that's where the league has really gone is go from having three big name guys and kind of having, you know, the Mario Chalmers, the Julius Haslams like the kind of like guys that are just filler roles that You know, Matthew Della you know, the guys that will fill those (laughs) roles and be a decent and be a decent like point guard or decent guy. But now, you know, you're building those superstar teams with three average, well, not average, but, you know uh slightly above average guys rather than super. I love how guys. you brought up
1: Delvadova because that's a guy I just completely forgot about after he left the cav. It's like he's gone. <laughs> like I don't know who this man is anymore. That's why I was laughing. I'm like, oh my God, you just unlocked a memory. <laughs> um no, cause like when we talk about big three, I mean, like, obviously you could point to a, you know, I'm I'm doing air quotes right now, but like a big three on each team. I'm like, sure, you can go to the Miami Heat and be like, you got Butler, Low- Lowry, and Ban on the bio. Like, you got that big three. But like, it's not like a superstar big three that they're trying to do in Brooklyn and the Lakers. Like, like they're, it's not the same. You know, like we saw last year in the NBA Finals between the Suns and the Bucks, it's like there was really no big three. Like Chris Paul, superstar, Giannis, superstar, but then you got the other guys filling in, you know, Devin Booker, you know, not the biggest name in the league. It's not like when LeBron went down to Miami to join, you know, D Wade and then they got Chris Bosch. Like those were three big names heading down to the same place. That's like, mm-hmm. that's part of the big three. Uh, strategy is like you got three big names same thing when kevin durant went to golden state and he joined you know steph curry and clay thompson i mean granted that was for the most part what people would call a super team but you know draymond's not really that all-star at the power forward don't get me wrong i like draymond like he he he. i like him as a player like but like he's not like superstar he's not part of the superstardom that we're seeing with like some of these other guys. But I think for me, mm-hmm. it's like we're kind of like going back to basics or it's like, no, we got a couple really good players and we're going to give them players to help out. Like we saw this with the Bucks and the Suns last year in the finals. You see the Bucks, they got Bobby Portis. They brought him in. You know, they made their trades and stuff to get Drew Holiday. You know, like he's Drew Drew Holiday's not like. A major superstar, but he's a really good player and he fits the role well, and it helped out. And you know, it got the Bucks a championship. So I think for me, it's like when you talk big three, it's like superstars. But now we're seeing everybody realize it's like, well, wait a minute. If we get like one good player and we fill in the bench, you know, like we obviously save enough money to bring more better guys in. That's why that's how Chicago was able to bring in everybody that they did. It's because they're like instead of dumping for like one and two or three big superstars are like, well, we're going to get one and then filling, filling the gaps. And it's been working for the bulls this year.
0: I, I mean, a great, a great, uh, you know, comparison would be maybe like when everyone was kind of clowning the Drew holiday trade, you know, like that was a huge trade. That's one of the big reasons why they even became a championship box. And, you know, he might not be the most, uh, You know, going back on our word last week, the sexiest pick or the sexiest trade, you know, he was able to play really effectively and play solid defense and distribute the ball and was able to, you know, outside of Giannis and Middleton, obviously, he was the most impactful player on that team, you know, so, you know, let's just build these teams now. Not really on, you know, the LeBron James's, the Kawhi Leonard's, the Paul George's, those big contracts of really good guys. Uh, because the market has gone up so much for these leagues that a lot of these guys uh, are kind of almost getting outperformed by guys that are being paid way less. So it, I think that's where a lot of teams are realizing, like, hey, uh, the players now in this league, there's really not as big of a difference as it once was, uh, LeBron's not as good as he once was. And, uh, that, that's kind of the way the league looks at it. Now, the, the talent, the down and uh, the talent differential. Yeah. I mean, like, look really at the minimal. Grizzlies,
1: we talked about them in the last block. Like you got John Moran and then they made their trades during the off season to get Steven Adams. Onto the team and they made their other moves and stuff. Mm-hmm. And now they're sitting at the three seed. Granted, there were only, we're getting to the halfway point of the season, but now they're sitting at the three. We didn't even think they were going to be in the top four, but they made the right moves. And, you know, it, lo- it wasn't like you said, Connor, it wasn't the sexiest moves. You know, it's not the most appealing on paper, but now it's actually playing out. And we're like, well, wait a minute. The- they're just filling the gaps that they need. And all of a sudden they're playing good basketball and they're winning their games.
2: You know, and real quick, one team to also highlight in all this is, you know, a team that Zach loves right now is the Hornets. You know, Hornets, Hornets are seven seed, sure, but they're three and a half games back from the one seed. They are 26 and 20. And look, LaMelo is a superstar, a potential superstar, but he's only in his second year. You got guys like Hayward, Miles Bridges, Rozier, Uber, PJ Washington. they're all playing extremely well together. They have incredible depth. They don't need to be a superstar big three to compete right now. They All they need is that depth, and they've been able to compete with the best in the East, at times the best in the West. And right now, they're only still three and a half games from the one seed. I think that even just shows you, you don't need an incredible superstar right now. You just need a really well-balanced depth team. That's the one thing. That teams could not compete with for some reason for this whole past decade but now it's starting to become where big threes cannot compete when they're actually being robbed of the depth and supporting cast i'd like to the point out them. too
1: that some of these teams have drafted really well too i mean the hornets have been drafting well they teams when teams learn to pick mm. who where they need to fill in you know like uh how to fill in the gaps it makes a world of difference because, like, it, it's like, all right, we need to fill these positions because our depth isn't good. Do we trade for these guys? Do we sign these guys or do we draft these guys? And the Hornets are a good case sample of this where it's like they're trying a mixture of everything. It's been working out for them. They signed Gordon Hayward to that big contract. We all kind of mocked them a little bit, but now they're sitting at the seventh seed, only three and a half games out of the first seed. And then you look at a team like the Bucks where it's like, you know, they did more trading and signing. The two guys that was originally there, it was Giannis. Well, Giannis was one of the guys they originally drafted. And then they, you know, they kind of cleaned house and they brought guys in and then it worked out. I mean, you see that with the Suns, like they got Booker, they got DeAndre Aiden, you know, now they're sitting at the one seed. And we saw that with the Warriors, too, where it's like we thought they were going to decline after, you know. KD left and then Klay Thompson got her. I mean, like, and now they're sitting at the two C cause they're like, they drafted well and then they signed the right guys again. So it's like, they're right back into the thick of it.
0: Yeah. It really makes you think like a lot of these teams, they're like, why would we trade four or five first round picks and risk our future just for this <laughs> one player when we can potentially draft that caliber player and some, you know, if I could bring mm-hmm. up a
1: quick and- point. Remember the Celtics trading away Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett to the Nets and the Nets giving up pretty much a whole, you know, pretty much their future for the next five years in order to get two superstars. And they I don't even think they even got close to the NBA finals. You know, that shows that, like, you know, like you can only give up so much before you give up too much. And, you know, kind of left to mm, wonder if yeah, Brooklyn and- kept those picks, maybe they would be a better team in the first place. And we saw him do it again with James Harden. And, you yeah. know, like Alex said, they got to hope that the big three works out and wins a championship. Otherwise, they just, you know, bit themselves in the butt for the next five years.
0: Definitely. And see, I, I think it's kind of weird because we haven't really brought up the big, big three in the league. And that's the OKC Thunder with Josh Giddey, uh, <laughs> Lou Dorrit, and Shea Gilgus-Alexander. But you know what? I'll re- all respect
1: you guys not mentioning Honor, the three uh, goats. Did you forget to wipe off your clown makeup this morning? I, I got to know. <laughs> <laughs> we are out of time. <laughs> but with that in mind, we're going to toss it the break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some incidents with the NBA refs. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
2: What's going on, everyone? Lawrence, Patchman Lang here. President of the Sports Insanity Network, just reminding you to go to our website, Network, where you can read everyone's blogs here on the network and also find about the history of the Sports Insanity Network.
1: And welcome back from the break. All right, guys, we don't usually talk about these people, but let's discuss about the the referees because this past week has been interesting to say that we to say the least right like it, it's been a little it's been very notable on Twitter let's just put it that way guys you, you know what I'm talking about right like
0: yeah we're, we're talking about Alex's <laughs> new modeling career <laughs> <laughs> I saw that I saw that I saw that oh, oh, oh this is
1: not yeah, that, yeah, okay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> this turned a really weird no? day now, but you know, if we're gonna really say that, Zach was the oh, one taking the
1: pictures, so I'm not sure if I'm keeping okay. this in editing now, but <laughs> yeah, I would edit it. Out, let's move on, let's, let's move oh, on. Man, I was talking about the referees, but uh, all right, like I don't know what you guys are doing, but that's your free time. <laughs> um, this week, the NBA refs have made some headlines for some weird, controversial, or completely missed calls. Earlier this week, we saw Jimmy Butler get ejected after being given two technical fouls back to back. Now, the first technical he deserved, he was very heated. He got the score um, and he got in the ref's face. Whatever. He gets a technical. That's easy. But then he's walking away. He doesn't say anything to the ref and he just walks away and the ref gives him a second technical and throws him out of the game. And. We'll link this on our social media and stuff, but it, it even confused the commentators. They're like, "What? Like what did what did he do for the second one, in order to get thrown out of the game?" And then the other part of this, this is just another example. The refs missed a very easy call on the Brooklyn Nets. So the Brooklyn assistant coach David Vanderport was seen sticking his hand out and tipping the ball away from Kyle Kuzma. Now, this was late in the fourth quarter. Brooklyn Nets were playing the Washington Wizards. Dinwiddie threw a pass to Kyle Kuzma It should have connected, except for Vanderpool was seen sticking his hand out and tipping the ball out of the way. Now, I did do a little deep diving, but thanks to NPR, they found the actual section about this sort of situation. Uh, In the official NBA rulebook, quote, if an opponent sitting on the bench or standing on the sidelines interferes with the ball, the ball should be awarded to the offended team out of bounds nearest the spot of the violation. Now, here's the thing. It was on replay and everything. The refs missed this call somehow. They they missed it. And this was a really close game, too, for the Wizards. Eventually, though, the NBA did find the Nets $25,000 and Vanderpool personally got fined $10,000. So, guys, um what the heck's going on with the refs? Um, tell me if I'm crazy or something, but like they've been, they've been off their game all, all week.
0: I mean, Zach, I, I think we know the answer. You are a little <laughs> crazy, but you know what? The, re, the refs have been kind of slacking a little bit. And, you know, that's with any type of ref core. We're humans. We're not going to be perfect. I mean, I don't want us to get to the point where the NBA, uh, I know the MLB is, considering and they're implementing in uh, at least in AAA, a uh robot refs i don't want us to ever get to that point but uh with the nba i mean that call should have been seen that that's a bad call and honestly i think that uh I, i'm gonna give the assistant coach a benefit of the doubt because you know, we've all had like a basketball thrown at us. And sometimes, you know, reaction, you're like, oh, I got to catch the ball. It's going to hit me or something, you know, like it. So, you know, I I agree that he should be fine, but I think he should also be suspended oh, wow. in at least like five <laughs> or so games. Um, You know, I know that sounds a little crazy, but I, I feel like, you know, especially in that much like that was a pretty impactful play because it was like the final last couple moments and it would have been uh you know like a game-winning potential uh play right there so i think it was I like think he five minutes it deep, it deep into the fourth
1: and like, this would have been an easy kuzma three like there there was no way like kuzma was like on the outside of the arc he was ready to take the shot uh, but the, just the ball was just tipped out of bounds. I don't know if the ref was like. I don't know if Vanderpool was just trying to help the defender be like, Hey, like your guys over here and that happened. Or if he intentionally stuck his hand out, it's like, maybe I can sneak it. And, but like, it was very, it was fairly obvious, but the refs just, they didn't see it. Alex, do you have any thoughts about these calls or missed calls this week? I absolutely do.
2: You know, when you really look at this, I you know, you give him the benefit of the doubt, maybe a reaction, but not going to lie. Why are you standing up? Steve Nash mm-hmm. is Steve Nash is the coach. He is right there. You have no right to actually be standing up as well. That's why players aren't standing up, too. They're not supposed to. Only the head coach should be the guy that's really up out there. This guy was standing clear. He stuck his hand up. He tried to pull a what's it called? The Jets. Co- uh, Jets. Yeah, aside. I was
0: thinking the same thing. That's Alex.
2: think of That's what it made me think of Just, it's absolutely ridiculous. Now, I will say, I am happy that the league fined them. They deserved it. It was made sense, and it was the right thing to do. Granted, you could also consider suspension in that, but despite that, in this game, this was a one-point game in the end. Wizards lost by one. That play probably would have made the difference, and obviously things change after that. You know, situations change, but that was the play that they really needed to get their, get the ball rolling, to get that cut, to, to obviously win that game and that's what screwed them over in the end and you know for for me in that situation you know the refs go we didn't see it you had I don't care if you're saying your view was blocked regardless you had a ref right there right next to Steve Nash I don't care he is supposed to be looking to his left he could have seen that Steve Nash was not fully in his way Steve Nash is a small man he is not blocking your view and you know that was just a terrible missed call but you know, we—it's just a—it's just a terrible situation. But let's look at the Jimmy Butler thing. The moment he was given a technical, he let out his frustration. Like when he turned away, he did let out his frustration. But it was around the same time. It was a three-second. In three seconds, he received two technicals and was kicked out of the game. And from what I've seen, I've seen, I've I've read stuff about it, and I've also seen the play. The other ref actually, like, gave a look to the second ref as if, don't do that, I already gave him a technical. Like, like motion to him, like, don't do that. Like, you know, and that is a terrible blunder. That really is, you know? Jimmy Butler should not have been kicked out of that game and received a second tech. I agree with the first one, you know? You can't scream in a rack face. Yeah, you can't <laughs> scream in a rack
0: face. The, I totally agree. I totally agree. The, I mean... But
2: the second one... He was just letting out his frustration, still sure, but he was turning around. You know how many of these guys get in the ref's face and don't receive a technical? Granted, this is a guy that just started walking away and still was saying stuff, but he wasn't looking at any of them. This ref, come out of nowhere, give him a second technical, and it really was unnecessary. It really was, and that is something the league, you know, after the game, like the refs did like make comments on it that like maybe it really wasn't deserved, but like, you can't, you can't change your mind after the fact, you know, that was in the game. You chose to make that call after you saw he already received a technical. It was only two,
1: two seconds later. Count, three seconds I'm later, sure you Alex, you counted that. it it's out just, to one, it, two, three. Oh, I didn't even make it to three. What the hell? Like
2: <laughs> and it kind of reminded me, it kind of reminded me different situation, but it kind of reminded me of when Timmy got, when tim duncan got two texts that, one sitting I on do the bench remember that it oh my god none. it's like it just reminded me as like that's a typical
1: blunder. Yeah. yeah
0: that's his only objection. was
1: his only objection ever it's
0: just and he was literally sitting on the bench do you guys anything do you guys remember years but, ago like, isaiah
1: thomas when he was um, on the wizards he got thrown out of the game because he he just looked at the ref funny like if I remember the, if I remember it, like he was trying mm-hmm. to go for an out of bounds ball and like throw it back in, and he just looked at the ref and then the ref just ejected him for the game i, I
0: think I think the refs are just sensitive, honestly. I they, feel like sensitive. I feel like they you you know, you got to think about it this way, guys. These refs do, let's say about three games on the week, okay? do three or four games on the week, and they travel a crap ton, probably, I'm assuming. So, like, you know, it must be a little stressful to hang around all these, you know, athletes all the time when they're, you know, they think every single call you say is wrong. So I got to give them kind of the benefit of the doubt there. But, yeah, they've just made some of the most (laughs) awful calls lately. But these teams are getting more physical as it gets closer and closer to uh, the playoffs. So we're going to see more texts and more uh, crazy calls like this.
2: Yeah, it's just you know, like you said, Connor. But uh, you know, at the same time, a lot of these refs don't want to deal with prima donna type players. They don't. That's that's exactly what the first technical was. It was like, you know, don't treat me like that. I'm a ref. You know, here's a tech. Yeah, go go walk away from me for right now. But then the moment the second tech, it's like, okay, how sensitive is the other ref really gonna be? It's just. It- that's what it speaks to me. Is like, okay, how sensitive and tough are you really? Yeah, gonna be like take that's just the at?
1: thing. Because like you know, we give the refs a lot of crap, but you know, they're just doing their jobs. But it's it's situations with like Jimmy Butler where it's like, all right, he got the first tack. You know, he's he's got to blow off some steam. The players get into the moment too. Uh, I think sometimes the refs get caught up in the moment, too, and, you know, like, he gave him the second technical foul, and then he's like, well, maybe I should have done that, but, like, but like, I, I feel like the refs, like, out of all the people who should not be in the moment is, like, is like the refs, like, they're, your, your job is to be there and make sure the game goes according to the rules and stuff, and, that, you know, it's a fair game and that, you know, but... I feel like the refs get caught up in the moment and like out of all the refs in all the leagues, I feel like the NBA refs get the, the rap for of like the rapport, like, you know, being the softest refs out of all them, like the NHL refs, like you see them get lit up and like, granted that's a penalty, but they're just, they get right back up. It's like, Oh, sorry, but I didn't see you there. Like,
0: (laughs) I mean, honestly, you could, okay. You guys might, not agree with this, but I I feel like NBA refs might be the most involved in any like you know play I guess out of all of the leagues because you know they take the ball out multiple times they make calls of fouls like basically like
2: every play could be called a foul so I don't know but you could also say NHL refs are literally going down with them like same thing as basketball it's 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 you know but I do agree like you know I would say both leagues are. But like their refs are more involved but i just want to say could you imagine if they didn't give grace now the other night a flagrant oh for- yeah i was just about to bring that up guys how much of an uproar do you think that would have been after yeah, that, that, that the refs after th- i would have thrown
1: it in that would have been even worse if they didn't get that flagrant but uh, that one was that was like one of the good calls of the week it was like yes obviously call that good job guys but all right we are running t- out of time for this block when we come back we got your week 15 matchups. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
2: Adopt US Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting. A teenager learning the lingo. Jelly. Jelly adjective. Jelly is a shorter, better way to say jealous. As in, Chloe, I am like so jelly
1: of your unicorn phone case.
2: You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. Visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Kids, and the Ad Council.
1: And welcome back. All right, guys. Week 15 matchups. We're we're slowly getting better again. But these games have been so wild. It's really hard right now. It, It should just... It should just be called Chaos January because we, we have no clue, but we're trying our best here. Yeah. We are trying, trying our darnest. All right, let's like, get into the last of week of January for matchups. The 25th, we got the Lakers versus the Nets. We know the Lakers have been struggling a lot lately, which is why I'm picking Brooklyn in this matchup.
0: Yeah, that's a fair assessment, but I... I'm going to have a little bit of faith in Vogel. (laughs) Don't know why, but I think Vogel is going to be hungry to keep his job. And I think some of the players on the team might be motivated to keep him. Uh, So I'm
2: taking the Lakers here. Uh, Here, I'm going to go with the Lakers. It's going to, it's exactly the same exact reason as Connor. It's kind of like, all right, guys, let's, let's (laughs) at least win this one. You know, like if
1: we're going to lose the next couple, at least let's win this one. All right. Moving into later that night, Mavericks versus Warriors. We know the Mavericks have been doing well, but it's the Warriors at home. It's very hard to beat them at home. So give me Golden State.
0: Yeah. Golden State here as well. Uh, The Mavericks are a solid team, but I'm, it's it's Steph Curry
2: yeah and plus like I'm going with Warriors too and like Zach a great point in the past seven years Warriors have either the best or one of the best home records and throughout the entire NBA it's hard to beat all them right at moving all. into Wednesday
1: to 26 Bucks versus the Cavaliers we know the Cavaliers have been doing well this year but like uh they've been on the struggle bus a little bit granted the Bucks have dropped a couple games but I'm still going with Milwaukee
0: yeah, you know, I almost decided to ride the struggle bus and hope that the Cavs got the win, but I I I normally pick them, but I'm taking the Bucks here. Almost, almost the upset of the week, but that's coming later on. Yeah, I'm
2: going with the Bucks here. If there's anything I'm learning more and more, it's just you can't count out Giannis ever. <laughs> Giannis, honestly, it's it's like you don't want to bet against him. This man, the Greek Freak, is just incredible, and I really think that the Bucks. All are right, get moving into later here. that
1: night, this is a makeup game from our three-week break. The only game that we picked that got postponed because of COVID, we have the Nuggets versus the Nets. I know, crazy. crazy. Out of all those games, only one got postponed, and it's this one. Uh, I've let the guys repick their choices. So I picked the nets for this one. Again, they got back to back home games. Uh, you know, the nuggets are going to be a bit more of a challenge. So this one might be closer, but I'm still going with Brooklyn.
0: Yeah, I'm going with the nets here as well. Uh, I think it's kind of too much of a challenge for Jokic to
2: kind of deal with on his own. Yeah, Nets to me are the obvious choice just because, you know, Jokic has done a lot, but he obviously can't do everything by himself. He has no help right now. And
1: the Nets at least are going to have Kyrie in this one. All right. Uh, yeah. For Thursday the 27th, we got the Lakers continuing the road trip against the 76ers. Now, Joel Embiid has been performing really well lately, so I'm going to ride the hot hand. Give me give me Philly.
0: Yeah, I'm also on the Philly bus right here. Uh, Embiid's been going crazy. What was that, 38 points per game this past week? Yep. Um, he, he's definitely in the running for player of the month, if not the front runner. Uh, I'm taking Embiid here.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm just a complete monster right now. These four games this past week, 38 points, 11 rebounds, and he also shot 50% from three, let's just say that too. He is a monster. And this is a game I'm picking the Sixers just because, you know, it's like Vogel's going to start out great, beat the Nets. And then next thing you know, he's just going to lose it, a couple. And it's just going to be like, Polinka's going to look at him and be like, like oh, you lost these last year. He goes, yes, but I beat the Nets. And everyone in the room's like, oh, that's very true. That's very true. And that's how it's going to work out. The Nets right are going
1: to make or break Vogel's career. All right, cool. We move into the 28th Celtics versus Hawks. Uh, you know, we've seen the Celtics really sh- struggle this year and I mean struggle struggle but the Hawks are starting to finally get it together a little bit so I'm gonna go with Atlanta.
0: Yeah I'm going actually uh the Celtics here uh you know I know they haven't been perfect but I do like what the team has done in certain aspects uh also too normally divisional games the Celtics play really hard and normally win so I'm taking the Celtics here.
2: Yeah, I'm going with the Celtics here. This was a tough one going back and forth, but I think at least, you know, Celtics, they've consistently been around that range. Uh, Hawks have been on and off with inconsistency, and I just think it's, it's kind of hard to bet against the Celtics All right, moving in this into
1: Saturday, we got the Wizards versus the Grizzlies. Uh, Memphis has the hot hand right now. The Wizards have been, uh, they struggled a little bit, then they're coming back. So, but you know, the the Grizzlies have been red hot for the whole month. So give me Memphis. I'm actually, this is my upset of
2: the week.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah, I'm going with the Wizards here. Uh, They actually have already played once this season. And I actually went to that game where the Wizards absolutely destroyed the Grizzlies. Uh, that game, I think we saw seven different players score double digits. I think uh, the team has definitely gotten healthier since the last time they met. And I also think the Wizards have the depth to compete with the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies are a better team, but I'm taking the Wizards here for the season sweep.
2: Well... Zach, you know, we're not going to be upset, <laughs> it's, it's, Connor's upset. That's what you say, boys. But well, you know uh, what? That's what we say, but I don't know. You've been messing up lately. But anyway,
0: got... hey, well, we that have... Cavs one, I know for a fact I picked Cavs over the net.
2: So that one, he's got that's one disclaimer. I know that. But <laughs> that one, I will give you ah, a lot
0: of good ones. this
2: one. You know, Wizards have been turning things around lately but like, like grizzlies it's just they're so they're really hot right now and honestly i don't i think this is another game that jaw's gonna put on his mvp All right, caliber moving into then. later
1: that night warriors versus nets uh i talked about the nets at home and stuff like that but again golden state steph curry you know the i'm not betting against steph curry in this one
0: Yeah, I'm also going with the Warriors here. I think the biggest decider for me is Kevin Durant still isn't going to be healthy for that game. And I think that would be a key difference maker.
2: Yeah, I'm going with Warriors here. You know, both teams have, you know, Warriors have been shaky these past couple of weeks. And Nets have had their shaky moments this year. But, like, regardless, even with Kevin Durant back, you could easily say Warriors are still a well built a better God. together team and honestly even even with katie back fully healthy i would still say Warriors words all are right gonna dominate
1: we head into game. the 30th nuggets versus bucks milwaukee's at home for this one so give me the bucks
0: yeah same reasoning uh, earlier as the nuggets uh nets game I, I, they're too reliant on Jokic and the Bucs are just a really
2: well-together team. Yeah, I'm going with the Bucs, but you know, this should be exciting. You know, Greek Vreek versus Nikola Jokic. This is two top five caliber MVP <laughs> finalists. right? Now. So this is going to be a fun game, but Jokic can't do it all by himself. I still think they're going to still continue to struggle until Jamal Murray comes back. All right, so we head the into Bucks. the last
1: day of oh. January. On the Monday, the 31st, we got the Grizzlies versus the 76ers. I know Philly has been playing well, but the Grizzlies have been playing a lot better. So give me Memphis once again.
0: Uh, I think uh, I'm actually going with the 76ers here. Uh, I think Embiid will <laughs> put on an Embiid show and. uh make sure that he ends up the month the way he has been playing lately. So I'm taking the 76ers here.
2: Yeah, I'm going to 76ers here solely because I don't. there's no one on that team that can contain Embiid. He's yeah. 50 and 40 these last couple of games, and it's just really hard All to right, stop him.
1: We head into the later night matchup. Heat versus Celtics. Miami's on the road at Boston, in Boston, but, you know, the Heat <laughs> have been performing really well, so give me Miami.
0: Uh Yeah, I'm taking Miami as well. Uh, I just want to say, got to give it up to the Georgetown alum, love, Omir Yurtsev, and, uh, and he's been playing out of his mind uh, lately. He actually, um I know, doesn't have the sexiest stats, you know, but coming off the bench, he's able to get a lot of rebounds. And uh, in January alone, you know, you look at his games, most of them are double-digit rebound games. So give it up for him. He's a very important piece to that Miami team. I'm taking Miami.
2: Uh, Absolutely. I'm taking Miami, too. They're just the stronger, better opponent in this case. And not going to lie, Miami, this is a game where they need to keep winning so that they can keep their locks right there to grab that one seat because they're only half a game out. And this is one of those games that you can just not afford to lose. This is a game that they're supposed to win
1: all right that's gonna do it for your week 15 matchups thank you so much for listening again you can find us on social media facebook twitter and instagram we're also on the sports insanity network website all of that is in the description down below thank you so much for listening and we will see you all next time it
0: sound right boy